Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. With the divisional series hosting duties, it is me, Kent Wyrock, coming to you live. Well, not live. It's a recorded podcast. You already knew that, though. But I'm hanging out with my best friends, <laughs> uh, Matt Okada and Matthew Betts, uh, going through divisional series, talking about the NFC North on this episode. We already had one episode where Okada got to be a homer. We had another episode where Betts got to be a homer. And then we had an episode where we fought about Juju Smith-Schuster for about 45 <laughs> minutes. So it's my time. To shine, okay? Mm. And that would be talking about the... Uh, The Minnesota Vikings is my team, so we'll be talking about them as they come up in a little bit. Uh, uh, But we're going to dive right in on this one, so we make sure we have enough time to talk about everyone on all of these teams in the NFC North. So up first, at the bottom of the NFC North last year was the Detroit Lions. My little fun fact about them being uh, the one of the two divisions with six wins at the bottom of the division. Uh, they were 6-10 last year. Matthew Stafford leading the way. They trade away Golden Tate. Uh, they get their other two receivers back, um, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. And then they got Kerryon Johnson and, and a couple of other weapons. So let's let's start at the top here. Matthew Stafford. We found out recently this Aussie that he was playing with, I believe it was Matthew Betts, maybe you can correct me here, a broken bone in his back. That is correct. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. So maybe you can fill us in on that. And uh, how did we not, first of all, hear about this all season? And how could that have affected him? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll just talk about how we may not know. Um, Let's not forget the head coach is now Matt Patricia, and he obviously came from the New England Patriots. And whenever we want to get – yeah, stop it, Okada. Whenever we – What an excellent organization to You had your show. You you had your AFC's preview. This is Kent's time, Okada. (laughs) Yeah, come on. Uh, But obviously, you know, they're they're pretty hush-hush when it comes to injuries, and that's no different with the Detroit Lions. They give you as little information as they are required to by the league. So they don't really give us a lot of details. That's why, um, and we'll talk about it, we didn't know what Carrion Johnson's knee sprain was or uh, Marvin Jones's knee injury was. Like, it was very vague. So we didn't really know what exactly was going on. And it's not uncommon for there to be a fracture at a certain part of the you know, the spine where it really isn't as much of a risk. So there's different areas where it's more of a risk. His spot was not a big risk. It's more of a pain tolerance issue, which... I certainly believe affected his play last year. That certainly would seem to affect things. Uh, having a broken back feels like a bad thing for a quarterback. I'm just going to throw that out there. So um, Matthew Stafford had kind of a disappointing year last year. Uh, not one of his better seasons. We've seen him more on top of his game, and I think he could have an opportunity to kind of bounce back from that uh, after losing one of his, his top receiver, I guess, uh, halfway through the season last year. So... There was a bit of a shakeup and an opportunity for him to bounce back a little bit. Uh, do you, do you agree with that in any way, shape, or form? Um, I think bounce back is a fair term, but I don't think that he has enough bounce for that to matter. Um, kind of like a bag of sand, you know. Like I might just when it hits the ground, it's gonna give a little flump back up, but it's not really gonna bounce off the ground, and so it's not gonna be useful. Oh gosh. <laughs> 
That was that uh, an is excellent metaphor. Matthew Stafford. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of echo I think what Okada was saying there. Um, <laughs> certainly, he'll be better than he was last year. But uh, I was looking at the trends in terms of the offensive play calling over the course of Matthew Stafford's career, which is a long sample size. Like back to 2009 when he was drafted. Since that season, they have not been outside of the top 10 in pass attempts in the NFL. And last year they were 13th. So I think it's it's just an obvious changing of the offensive philosophy the defense hopefully getting better i mean it, it, things are changing there in detroit so certainly he'll be better than he was last year but he's not going to ever be the matthew stafford of old yeah and i think quickly to that point because it's one of the most important things for me in projecting this team the biggest change potentially of all between last season and this season is the addition of daryl bevel at offensive coordinator and play caller this is a guy who has had adrian peterson and marshawn lynch and run the ball like a madman more than almost any offensive coordinator of the last couple decades. So uh, they brought him in for a reason. They've stated publicly that they want to run the ball down the throats of the defenses that they face, and uh, bringing him on as the OC absolutely jives with that. So despite the fact that I don't think they're going to be a very good team, and therefore their hopes of running the ball as much as they like, or as much as they might like, might fall a little short. I think they're going to try as much as possible to run the ball a lot, which brings down my hopes in Matthew Stafford and up my hopes in certain other players. Yeah, so Stafford I see as a low-end QB2, high-end QB3 type thing for super flex leagues, and that's about it. So let's that's a good segue into the running game. I think on Johnson is primed for a big season. Uh, I'm starting to worry that we might say that before every season from here on out, though. Uh, hmm. I, we haven't we haven't really seen it yet to to a complete degree, and I would love to. I think he's a great talent, um, but I really do need to see it before I truly believe in it. So I want him to have a good season, but I'm not I'm not ready to pony up. And I, I think at his current draft cost, I don't think I've gotten much shares of him yet uh, this off season. Do you echo any of those sentiments? I don't, honestly. I mean, last year, you look at what he did on a 16-game pace, would have been running back 14. So when he was getting the work, I mean, he was almost a running back one in an offense that wasn't that good, to be honest with you. So now when you factor in that, plus the fact that Theoretic is now gone, the rushing attack combined with the passing work which I think is going to be there for carrying on Johnson. Um, I think he's a lock for like a top 16, 17 season. I've got him right now ranked as running back 15. I honestly could see myself pushing him up a little bit further if the team continues to hype up him and their overall philosophy, as Okada said, to establish the run early and often. So carry on's a little bit of an enigma for me. Uh, part of that is, to Betts' point, I have him as my RB16, but his ADP is RB14. And beyond that, there are other guys in his range that I actually like more, like Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack. And Damian Williams, if you count him, by the way. I'm just going to keep bringing up Damian Williams every pod that Kent is on until we get to the West. Wait <laughs> until we get there. Uh, but, so here's my issue with carry on. My I have his yards and his touches extremely high in my projections. A uh, quick glance, over 310 touches and over 1,400 yards. But I only have him going for seven total touchdowns, which is not great. And that is mainly a result of the fact that I think this offense overall and this team overall is not going to be very good. 
Um, I think they have a okay defense, maybe middle of the road ish. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, they just don't have the firepower. I don't think to get themselves into the red zone at a rate where carry on Johnson can get elite level touchdowns. And that's what keeps him out of RB one range for me. And even a little bit behind those guys that I just mentioned. In fact, those two names that I brought up, Aaron Jones and Marlon Mack, they're pretty similar to him in a lot of ways, except they're both on elite offenses for me. And that's what makes a difference. Does the cutting of Theo Riddick make you want to maybe revisit your receiving projections for On Johnson? Um, I did a little bit, actually. I bumped him up. Right now, I have him at 81 targets and 66 catches, which is pretty high. Um, it's not necessarily elite levels, and I think there is room to be a little bit above that. The only reason I don't, in fact, I have him at a 15% target share, which is very high for a running back. The only reason he doesn't have higher raw numbers is what I mentioned with Daryl Bevel, basically, in the fact that I just don't think this team is going to throw as often as as would be ideal for him to get really killer receiving numbers. I'll, I'll jump in real quick and just kind of echo that a little bit i'm a a tad lower in terms of the receiving i talked about it a little bit ago that theo definitely being gone opens up a lot of potential for carry on johnson last year a 16 game pace was 62 targets with theo riddick on the roster so i definitely bumped him up i didn't go quite as high as okada there 81 targets but I have a decent amount of those targets actually going to Zach Zenner. I think that he sneakily is Mm. like a player that's going to be annoying for On Johnson owners. The team likes him. They've used him a lot when there's been injuries in front of him. Um, And and he's been a decent pass catcher. So someone has to take that void. I I do hope it's mostly On. The volume should be there. But if we're hedging a little bit and not giving all those targets to On, which would be, I think, kind of foolish to do, um, I think they go to other running backs on the roster. And lest we forget that the uh, Rams superstar running back C.J. Anderson is now with the Detroit Lions. So another <laughs> thorn likely in Carrion's side. But I think he's going to have a decent season, especially in the PPR leagues. But let's let's talk about the wide receiver core here because, like I said earlier, Golden Tate got traded to the New York Giants in the middle of last season. Kenny Galladay was kind of by himself there for a little while after Marvin Jones got injured, and then things kind of went off the rails a little bit. Now they got Marvin Jones back healthy. Kenny Galladay is entering now his uh, is his second no third season. Is this his third, third season? Yeah, third now. Yeah, it is his third. Um, and then they got Danny Amendola to kind of bring in the rear and and support the passing attack a little bit. I think this is going to be a lot better look than last year and kind of why I think Matthew Stafford might have a little bit of a bounce back. You both have Galladay as the one here, um, but neither of you have him going over a thousand receiving yards. Do you think, do you think that's about right? Do you think he has an opportunity to, to show out and go above a thousand? Um, it's tough to answer. Does, do I think he has an opportunity? Theoretically? Yes. If he's going to be the wide receiver one, he has the opportunity. And I don't have him far below that. I have him at 937 yards, so it's close. But I just, I mean, again, going back to Bevel in the offense, I just don't think there's going to be enough targets to go around. I have him leading the team, and he has a twenty over 20% target share, which typically when you see that for a receiver, you know he's an elite one or a very good one, and he's going to be in the 120, 130-plus target range. But he only gets 111 targets for me because of how little I think this team is going to pass. Um, so, yes, he could get there. But for me, I think he's 
way overhyped and way overdrafted based off my projected numbers, and I'm not going to get him anywhere. Yeah, mostly, mostly agree with that. I think the other thing to consider is just the fact that Marvin Jones has shown it before where he has been a wide receiver one for fantasy and a wide receiver one for the Lions. So um, out of those two options, if they're drafted in the same round, I sure I'd prefer Galladay. I haven't projected for more yards, uh, more receptions, but at their price, give me Marvin Jones because I think he could do similar um, similar things to Marvin, uh, excuse me, to Kenny Jolliday this year. So um, two similar players in a low volume offense. Yeah, I'm out on Kenny Galladay this year. I think he's okay, but I'm not as hyped about him as other people are. Yeah, Marvin Jones in the eighth round feels really good right now. Uh, when I've been drafting him in, in, you know, mostly best balls, but a couple of uh, my other drafts as well. So I, I like that better. I do like Kenny Galladay. He's, a, he's definitely a better talent than Marvin Jones is. Um, but if you're looking for that edge in terms of value, uh, Marvin Jones is, is the play here. So let's, let's talk about the tight end situation. Cause TJ Hawkinson is a rookie tight end and it sounds like he's locked and loaded as their tight end one. They signed Jesse James this off season for actually an absurd contract. If you remember, I don't have the numbers I in do, front of yeah. me, but it was, it was a disgusting contract for, uh, Jesse James and, I don't really think he's worth it, and I don't think he's a very good tight end, and I think TJ Hawkinson's one of the better tight end prospects in a while. Is there a chance we see the rare season one tight end showing? And I say rare like we didn't just see – well, no, George Kittle was second year. Never mind. Ignore me. Um, two years ago, though, Evan Ingram. Are we? Yeah, two years ago, Evan Ingram. So we've seen a couple recently. Is, is TJ Hawkinson going to be one of them? <laughs> No, I'm going to say no to your to the question you ended with, which is, is he going to be one of them? Could he be one of them? I think there's a very small chance. I do agree he's one of the better tight ends uh, to come out of the draft recently. Uh, obviously, he was drafted as such very high in the first round. But A, with the team around him, B, with the fact that he's a rookie tight end, C, with the fact that I think he's honestly a more well-rounded tight end than, like, for example, a Noah Fant or even an Evan Ingram was, where they're going to only be on the field to catch the ball. He's a little bit more well-rounded than that. So I don't see him getting enough work to be good. I have him around tight end 20 right now. There's a, a, It's hard to say that there's a lot of guys ahead of him that I would rather have because the tight ends are disgusting. But I think there's a, most of the guys that I have between like tight end 12 and tight end 20 are guys I see with more upside than Hawkinson and therefore would rather have than him. Yeah, and and just going along with that, you know, I have him as the fifth receiving option in terms of uh, the amount of targets that he's going to get relative to other players on the team. So, yeah, we just we just talked about it with the other receivers. Low volume, fifth option. Yeah, I, I don't think it happens this season, especially given that he's a rookie. I, I, I do expect uh, to see some flashy plays out of him this year, but I think I can agree that the volume will not be there. Uh, which is disappointing, but that's okay. I'll, I'll settle, and uh, maybe in a year or two, I can start to invest some uh, draft value into him. Let's swing on over to the second lowest team in the NFC North last year, which is, oh, and this this pleases me to say, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> oh, that Get wrecked, okay. Packers. Yeah, there's they were six nine and one. Uh, lots of lots of stuff going on with that team. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was dealing with some injuries. Their receiving core was, you know. Not so hot. They had some rookies uh, basically working behind Devontae Adams. Uh, they had the ghost of Jimmy Graham at tight end. 
and uh, a couple of things. But let's let's start with Aaron Rodgers. He is now freed from the shackles of McCarthy. Mm. Are, are we gonna see like Rodgers unleashed, or are we gonna see him go crazy and uh, fall off the rails a little bit? If by crazy you mean he's gonna be a Q- the QB one or QB two again, like he was in the the heydays of Aaron Rodgers, then yes would be my answer, Kent. I think he 100% breaks free and dominates yet again. He, I've been battling between him and Mahomes at QB1 ever since Tyree Kill got announced uh, as free from suspension. Rodgers was my QB1 before that when we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, I Right now, I have Mahomes at one, but it's pretty dang close for me. I think the difference that Matt LaFleur will make over McCarthy is massive, which is crazy to say because we're talking about a guy who's never been a head coach in any shape or form and has hardly even been an offensive coordinator but compared to McCarthy who was trash trash I tell you that was with like four that's, things that Lef- that is that will be good <laughs> that is intense uh, and accurate yeah listen I I don't have the exact numbers in front of me but I did some research uh, into various different play calling things last year um just from a play action standpoint so just looking at play action the Packers last year called play action plays or ran play action plays at a, one of the, I think it was the sixth lowest rate in the entire league. And the Titans offense last year and the Rams offense two years ago, which are the two offenses that LaFleur has been the offensive coordinator for. Granted, he didn't technically call plays in LA, but he was there as the coordinator. Both of those two teams were top, I believe, two in play action rate. So that's just one little snippet, one example of how awful and how uncreative McCarthy was for this team and how little LaFleur has to do, honestly, to create more efficiency and more effectiveness for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and and just to add on there, you know, you didn't even talk about the fact that Aaron Rodgers, for all intents and purposes, is a mobile rushing quarterback. Like, he is a very good runner. He's not known for that because, obviously, he's one of the best passers in the league um, and probably we could even say in NFL history, but he runs the ball and he adds a lot of value with his legs. Last year, let's not forget, MCL injury week one affected him for almost six weeks, and he only rushed the ball uh, 43 times last season. His career average for a 16-game season is 56. So if he gets to that or even more than that this season, um, I think those numbers pad his passing volume enough that he is a lock for a top three finish this season yeah i i think i have him ranked fourth right now um not not because i think he ends up fourth he certainly has the upside to be number one overall but um but i believe that guys like deshaun watson and andrew luck have just a little bit more ceiling because of the offensives uh the offensive pieces around them i do like Obviously, Devontae Adams is great, but beyond that, there's still some question marks. There's some up-and-coming guys that we don't know if they're a sure thing. Jimmy Graham's not that great. Aaron Jones is good, but he's injured right now. Um, you know, Jamal Williams is just pedestrian, in my opinion. It's just questionable around him, and, and I think that Rodgers is good enough to make it work, but uh, I can play a little bit of a more upside card with guys like Andrew Luck or Deshaun Watson. So I love Aaron Rodgers, um, but I, I don't think I'm all in on the top of the top yet. But if there's anyone who can do it, I know it's him. Uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about those wide receivers then. Uh, 
the the locked in wide receiver one on this team is Devonte Adams, and he's been killing it with the touchdowns over the last couple seasons. You guys both have him projected for. 12 and 13 touchdowns this year, which is wow. crazy uh, to even project that. I mean, if you're looking on like a normal distribution of how many touchdowns a wide receiver gets, that's that's way on the right side of unlikelihood. But that's okay because we've seen it happen, and Rodgers is capable of connecting with Adams in that regard. So uh, I believe in that, and I'm all for that. What? Where are you drafting Adams? What is he is uh, your second wide receiver? After Hopkins? Number one First? for me. Ooh. Number one for both Ooh. of you. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Not number one for me. Yeah, I was doing rankings before without doing full projections. Oh, right, yeah. And then when you run the numbers, I mean, there's like you said, Kent, there's so many question marks in the the receiving core. Um, even tight end, obviously. Jimmy Graham is nothing to write home about, and they've got a rookie. Like It's Devontae Adams when you get in the red zone, and it's no one else at this point. So, like, 10 receiving touchdowns is his floor. I think he has the opportunity to get up to, like Okada's projecting, 13 or even 14 receiving touchdowns. So, yeah, for me, the touchdowns elevate him enough to the point where he is my wide receiver one this season. So I I love taking him um, in the first round of my draft, and I have no issue doing so. I guess that I hate Devontae Adams because I have him as my wide receiver five uh behind smith schuster who you all heard about last pod uh julio jones and deandre hopkins and tyreek hill and i feel like that's not a knock against adams at all those four guys are incredible and i think adams is also incredible and that's just where he ends up for me i think he's still going to be extremely good i wouldn't take him in the first round i would take him certainly mid second round maybe maybe early second round but yeah for me he's just down to wide receiver five I don't know. Is that is that cuckoo? I don't think so. Cuckoo, I mean, there's no. like like you said, the the names there are elite options. So it's it's. I think he's in that tier. I think he's in that tier of the top mm-hmm. five or or six players there for the wide receiver position. So anywhere in that one to five range, I'm definitely okay with. I, I was gonna say he's at the back end of the first round. So that's that's gonna be a spot where people get kind of a little bit trickier with their roster construction. Maybe someone's decided already that they want to go running back, running back. So they go with like a James Conner and a Todd Gurley on that swing or something, where they could have had Devonte Adams instead. Um, you know, it's just kind of up to the person drafting. But I think it's reasonable that he's an early second-round pick, uh, late first, uh, potentially. Uh, Geronimo Allison's coming back this year. He was, he was injured for a while last year. Do you do you see him having some opportunity to have a reliable wide receiver, like, three season? Yeah. I have him ranked uh, at 32 right now. So that would be a lowish kind of wide receiver three. Um, he, he is my guy over MVS. We've hit on this a couple different times as has most of the fantasy community, because it's one of the most important questions, honestly, like it's not just one of the most commonly discussed for no reason. It is one of the most important questions heading into this fantasy year, because whoever is Aaron Rodgers number two, especially with what we talked about earlier with him being a top three quarterback, that, that player is going to be very good for fantasy. So if it's Allison he could probably be a, a decent amount higher than this, than where I have him, which is wide receiver 32. If it's MVS, same thing. The only reason both of them are as low for me as they are is because we don't know. And so that risk has to be built in. But if he earns a job, which is my leaning, I think he 100% could be could outperform this draft price and be a wide receiver too even. Yeah, and this kind of reminds me of like a Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde situation where we just weren't really sure... <laughs> 
Oh, I did it again. There's another reference for Kent. Uh, <laughs> a situation where we just weren't sure a few weeks ago like who it was going to be. Then the team came out and said, okay, it's Damian Williams' job to lose. And I think the preseason is going to be very, very valuable for us to watch for this team. Like This is a situation that, as of right now, I'm just going to be totally honest. I have no idea who it's going to be. I pretty much projected them within like 10 to 15 points of each other in, in terms of fantasy points. But I want to watch those few drives in the second game and the third game of preseason to see what it looks like with both guys on the field and see where Aaron Rodgers is going with the football because... I think that will change a lot of what I project for this season. Um, but like Okada said, it's going to be one of these guys. We need to figure out who it is because that player is going to be very valuable for fantasy. I, I am kind of worried that like these four guys beyond Devontae Adams all have like 450 yards and two touchdowns or something like that, where it's just like unreliable, uh, but they have the big spot games and maybe like DFS plays, but not not someone you can use in like a redraft type of format I'm kind of worried about that but I do believe that one of uh Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez Scanlon mm. will end up uh in that position you you called him MVS earlier what is that you gotta give him the yeah. Marquez that, Valdez Scanlon huh. forgive us Kent forgive us <laughs> that was <laughs> we know not it what we do get real Cajun on the bit okay anyway uh, I do believe one of those two guys steps up into that role, but uh, it's a worry in the back of my head. Uh, Jimmy Graham. Nope. Cool no, okay. story, bro. All right. Yeah, that's all <laughs> I want. That's, uh, they also draft, drafted Jay Sternberger, who I believe is a good pass catcher and won't do anything this year, but could be someone to keep an eye on down the line when Jimmy Graham is ultimately cut from this team. So uh, uh, let's go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm curious from Betts because what Aaron Jones's status situation is going to be going into this season because that could mean a lot. I have him right now as my RB12, which I'm going to need him to be healthy for that to be the case. <laughs> yeah, that would certainly help. Um, I'm right there with you. I've got him at 11, so I'm also hoping that he is healthy. Uh, he did miss time last training camp with a hamstring injury, which is what he's on the injury report with right now. By all accounts, they're saying it's not a big deal. They're being more precautionary with it, keeping him out for a few days to kind of make sure it doesn't get worse, which, you know, obviously at this point we know hamstring injuries are the highest recurring injury out there. So they're being smart by trying to hold him out. Um, and last season, it, it really didn't affect him at all. So hopefully the same happens this year, but we're going to need to watch those practice reports over the next two weeks or so to really be confident in saying that. All right, that's a good call. I, I, you know, if he's healthy, Aaron Jones is the obvious starter here. He's the most talented back. I will say, I believe that by the end of the season, Dexter Williams becomes the RB two, though, in place of Jamal mm. Williams. That's it my, would not um, be hard kind of... to do because Jamal is doo doo. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get on to the next two teams, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Let's do it, Kent. These guys are literally the best place to get your fantasy football trophies on the planet trophy smack is legit these guys are awesome they're putting out stupid awesome trophies rings belts i mean you name it these guys have got it they finally just released their draft board so if you've got a draft coming up they've also got that with a full sticker kit um they've got it all so Head on over to Trophy Smack, check it out, see what they've got. If you're a commissioner of a league and you don't have a trophy yet, what are you doing, first off? And second off, uh, head on over to Trophy Smack. 
redshirts.com. When you buy a trophy or belt and use the code redshirts, not only do you get that trophy, you get a free ring to also uh, take to either the same league or if you are a commissioner of multiple leagues, you hit them both at once. So it is a fantastic value. Mm. That free ring is great. And this is a great opportunity to tell you all, these guys are so awesome. They are giving us a ring to give to the champion of our listener league. They are legit. We have it. I will have it on my finger next time we record. I don't have it yet, but uh, I will show you all no, because uh, I will no, be the no, champion no. of that league in 2019. Whoa, whoa. And bets, bets. I, I know, I know you gave them my address to send it to me to wear <laughs> until next season, right? Because surely the the current champion should be wearing it. Yeah, we we should have actually done that. Sorry, Kent. Uh, if uh, you're just no, if you're just care. joining us now, Kent did win the Listener League last year, so he's going to be back this season playing with us again. If you want to get in on that Listener League and win that awesome ring, uh, there's two things you can do. One is join our Patreon, patreon.com slash redshirtspod. That automatically gets you in the entry. The other option is just leave us a rating and review on whatever podcast app you have and that you listen to. Screenshot it and tag us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. Uh, we got to start pulling those names pretty soon, guys, because it's almost draft time. Mm. That is a good call. So if you want to take on the champ, uh, do exactly what Bet said, and we can uh, we can arrange it. So let's move on to the last two teams in the NFC North. We're going on to my team the minnesota vikings last year end of the year eight seven and one missed the playoffs after kind of disappointing end of the season uh lots of good offensive weapons here returning this is kirk cousins second season uh playing with the vikings he's got stefan diggs adam thielen uh you know some other receivers that i won't name for you because they're dead to me (laughs) kyle rudolph returned uh, we also have a new tight end, Irv Smith Jr. We got there's lots of options here, and Dalvin Cook in the backfield with a new running back, Alexander Madison. So start at the top, Kirk Cousins. He actually had a pretty good year last year. Uh, a few blow up games, but for the most part, pretty reasonable. Do we think it's going to be about the same, better, worse? How are you feeling about Kirk Cousins? Cousins is tough for me because. He has very good weapons, and he is a decent enough quarterback to make to take advantage of them. However, from a play-calling standpoint, I have this team as slow and run-heavy. Uh, a lot of that comes from the switch that they made at the end of last year from John DiFilippo to Kevin Stefanski, and I think it carries over into this season. This this team ends up being, for me, one of the, the slowest paced, which basically means fewer plays, teams in the league and by far one of the slowest pass attempt teams in the league um and not uh, not to say they have a bad offense at all in fact i think that they're elite they will have an elite defense and a great run game and both of those things will allow them to not pass the ball as much and still win games so i think it all works out for the vikings the only person it doesn't work out for for me is cousins i have him low qb2 right now low end qb2 um, could he be higher than that? Yes. Like I said, the weapons alone could get him there, but right now, just the way I have it set it out, he's not. Yeah. And the volume I think is really the key with this. I was hoping you were going to bring up that offensive coordinator change. Cause I think that is really what these projections are based off of. And obviously the talent that these guys have, but that's the building block that I had. And the years when Kirk cousins was a QB one for fantasy, when he was in Washington, they couldn't run the ball effectively and the defense was terrible so it was success 
uh, on all ends for fantasy for Kirk Cousins. Obviously, this defense is very good. Uh, the rushing attack, hopefully, is going to be very good, which we're going to talk about in a second. And I think they try to go that way first. So I agree with you, Okada. I think he's a streamer this year. Um, I'm not really targeting him in my drafts personally. Yeah, I mean, with the offensive coordinator situation, we only really had a small sample. I, three games with Stefanski. However, Cousins never went above 33 passing attempts, and that's that's not good if you're looking for a fantasy quarterback. Uh, he has no rushing ability really to to be, you know, anything that's bankable. A uh, couple of points here and there, and that's it. But you got to rely on touchdowns pretty much, and I never like relying on touchdown, passing touchdown quarterbacks, and that's their only fantasy points. So I'm worried. I think that he's going to have a better season than he did last year. Uh, that might be a little bit of the homer talking, but, you know, this is the first time in a while he's had, like, consistency from year to year if I remember correctly um so hopefully you know with the full offseason and the weapons he can turn it around but uh let's talk about those receiving weapons the 1a 1b type of situation with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen you can switch them around either way they want I don't think it really matters they're about the same um people kind of argue about which one's the better value uh depending on their draft price so I believe if I'm not mistaken that uh, Adam Thielen is still going higher. Let me just double check that. Yes, that is still true. Uh, it's about uh, just under a round ahead of Diggs. So early third round for Thielen and early fourth round for Diggs. Which of the two of these guys are you targeting this year? Um, Because of it entirely because of that draft price, Kent, and I guess a tiny percentage because I've been a truther of him for several years now. It's going to be Stefan Diggs for me. From a projection standpoint, I literally have them 1.2 fantasy points apart on the season. Uh, and if you just look across my numbers, it's hysterically similar. Uh, they're both great. They are both very good wide receivers. Stephon Diggs is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Adam Thielen is no slouch at all in any aspect of the game. Uh, and they're both going to get theirs. So... It, it, for me, the draft price, the fact that Diggs is a little cheaper, I will take him, but I don't hate getting either of them. And to anyone who asks me, how do you love both those guys and still not like her cousins, to them I say, look at the rest of the wide receiver core. Because there's no one. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I agree. Give me Diggs just because it's a little bit cheaper. Okada's even closer than I am. I only project them as 10 points being apart uh, with feeling just the very slight edge. So at that point, you're splitting hairs and... Just give me the, the cheaper option, honestly. So, yeah, I, I want Diggs this year uh, compared to Thielen. But obviously, if Thielen's on my roster, I am equally as happy. Now, I will say that, you know, Laquan Treadwell has been relegated to like the fifth or sixth wide receiver on this roster. But we did pick up Jordan Taylor. And then we have a couple of younger guys, uh, Chad Beebe and Brandon Zilstra, that might be stepping up a little bit. So it may be better than last year. Um, but Jordan Taylor is definitely a, a good pickup there from the Broncos. Real quick, I just want to jump in and say this because I think it's hilarious. Laquan Treble's Instagram name <laughs> is Successful oh, Quan. <laughs> no, my God. He has not been no. successful at anything in the NFL since he's been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's also not even catchy. Like, can't guard no. Mike is catchy. Successful Quan? Oh, man. It's just embarrassing uh, at this point, to be honest. Yeah, I will say, by the way, on Laquan Treadwell, he was a former first-round pick, and he has a lot of ability. His main ability is dropping passes. And for some reason, he drops them when they're easy to catch. 
So that, that appears to have been a mental thing. Maybe he can overcome that and finally do something, but I really don't believe that he will. So yeah, no one else in this receiver uh, core. Thank you. To be honest, the fact that he has ability is news to me. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, he, he has not been good since entering the league. But anyway... Uh, let's talk about the tight end situation. Originally, it was looking like Kyle Rudolph might have been a cap casualty. We were tight against the, the uh, salary cap, but he's back for another couple seasons. Uh, he's been okay these last couple years, the, you know, a couple of up years on touchdowns, basically. But you guys have him pre- projected pretty low on the touchdown scale. Three and four is what I'm seeing, and about 500, 450 to 500 yards. Is he even draftable? No, I have zero interest in Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, I think he's a guy with no upside um, and a low floor, and I'd rather get a bunch of other guys in that tight end range in drafts. Okay, uh, that's all we need to say about that. Let's talk about the running backs real quick. Dalvin Cook uh, looking mm. to come back from an injured season. Uh, I'm worried this is going to be kind of a recurring thing as well, but if he plays all 16 games, he's a running back one, right? Not only is he a running back one if he plays all 16 games, I think he's a top seven option if he plays all 16 games. Like, if you're telling me right now that Dalvin Cook is guaranteed to play a full season, I mean, the depth chart is not scary. The offense wants to establish the run. Obviously, they invested a lot of draft capital in him. It's just success. Like, there's not that many backs that get a full three down workload with guaranteed goal line rush attempts. And I think Dalvin Cook gets that this season. So, you're right, Ken. It is honestly just about a question of health. Obviously, last year was a lost season because of the hamstring injury um, coming off the torn ACL the, the year prior. So, if he can get it figured out, I love Dalvin Cook. But at this point, that is honestly the question mark. Yeah, uh, I actually had not re uh touched dalvin cook after the news that came out i believe about a week ago or so that the vikings are pretty it might have been a little more than that the vikings are 100 percent devoted to making dalvin cook the goal line back um so i just while Betts was talking gave him another rushing touchdown because i like it uh and i wanted to uh which puts him at 11 i already had him at double digit touchdown range uh, but this gives him 11. I think he's going to be great. Uh, right now, he's my running back nine with Melvin Gordon ahead of him. So if news trends badly for Gordon, he could easily jump to eight. Um, and I think he's basically in the tier with David Johnson that follows my kind of top six guys that are their own tier. All right. Uh, and then we drafted the rookie Alexander Madison in the third round. He replaces kind of that Latavius Murray role. Uh, we cut Rock Thomas, who was not going to do anything. Um, but just so you know, uh, no one's probably in the way of Madison there. So, you know, last year, Latavius Murray, granted, Cook missed a few games, but Murray had almost 600 yards and six touchdowns. You guys have Madison around 403 or four touchdowns. Why the disparity? Um, I just don't know if I am ready to buy into Madison. It's not like he was a second round guy. Uh, I don't know when Latavius Murray was drafted, so I'm not saying that I'm not comparing the two in that sense, but just I think that Dalvin Cook being a highly drafted guy and being a guy who's shown extreme talent when he's played is going to be able, if he stays healthy, to hold off Madison in a way that he even would have held off Latavius Murray more this year as he continued to progress than we had seen in previous years. So I think Cook would have taken a jump forward anyways, but the fact that we now lost an established RB2 on this team and replaced him with a rookie, 
for me, that just brings his numbers down a little bit and Cooks is up. Cooks's? Cooks? 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 Is... Cooks apostrophe? Cooks? Yeah, that's hard to say. Good, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> this is now Family Feud. Good answer, Okada. Good answer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Madison's a guy that I actually kind of liked a lot coming out of college. Um, I gave him more rush attempts, more yards, and one more rushing touchdown than Okada because of the fact that I'm kind of hedging with my projection of Dalvin Cook. Like we said, if, if we know he's playing 16 games and he gets the workload that he should get as an elite option, um, then that comes down for Madison. But I kind of hedged here, you know, just going off of what history tells us. With these injuries, like there's a decent chance Dalvin Cook misses a game or two or three, maybe. And if that happens, I'm not projecting that it will. I'm just saying if it does, Madison is the guy that gets the work. So when we're looking at risk reward and likeliness or likeliness, that's not a word, likelihood of missing time, uh, Dalvin Cook could be a guy that misses a game. Okay, quick question on Cook for both of you guys. Does he have the RB1 upside? No. Nope. Uh, that is tough. I don't think so. I think like RB five is a ceiling. Really? Well, actually, wow. Well, for I'm me, I, for same... me, I absolutely think he has higher upside than RB five, and I, I don't know if I'm willing to say RB one, but that's why I asked. I think he could certainly be amongst that elite tier by the end of this season. I tell you, it entirely depends on if those top tier running backs decide to play football. Yeah, I was just gonna say that <laughs> Zeke and <laughs> Melvin Gordon. Point make a huge yeah. deal because no, if they're not in there I, then I, yeah he could be but i think i'm more in line with uh with what bets is saying i think like four or five is probably about as high as i'd ever go okay all right well with that being said let's move on to the last team in the nfc north the uh champions of the division last season at 12 and 4 the chicago bears with a big scary bears uh <laughs> playing defense mitch trubisky uh kind of had a decent season well he had an up and down season but anyway we'll get to it um, what do we think? Matt Nagy really turned this team into something that is interesting and fun to watch. Another one of those misdirection type, uh, fast paced teams, really entertaining, but is it something that's sustainable? Do you think Mitch Trubisky can find success in this offense? I've heard some troubling, uh, camp stories about him so far. Have you guys heard similar? I just saw that report today, if it's the same one that you're describing, where it's been an up-and-down camp for him, and he really hasn't taken the step forward that they were hoping that he would. And um, if that continues to come out of their camp, then I'm going to obviously change my projections. But I do think Mitch Trubisky has the opportunity to take a step forward if he can put the pieces together because of the fact that this is a full season where the, the offensive pieces, with the exception of the running backs, has not changed at all. So his pass catchers are the same which is a big-time thing for him because last year, every single receiving option was new. Allen Robinson off the ACL. Um, Trey Burton coming over from the Eagles. Anthony Miller was a rookie. Taylor Gabriel was new. So, like, every single person was new, and they had a new head coach and system. So there's now continuity there. I hope that he can put those pieces together. But the sneaky thing with Trubisky is if he can continue to add value on the ground, which is what he did a lot last year, then he's a lot... Um, I think a lot more appealing than I would have originally thought looking at my projections. Um, so this is what I'll say about Trubisky. He doesn't have to take a step forward uh, or improve really in any way or be more consistent than he was 
to be the quarterback that I think that I currently have him ranked and projected to be, which is around the QB 15, because that's exactly what he was last year, which, by the way, was with some missed games. I think two or three. Um, the rushing that Betts touched on, I have him for 400 yards and three touchdowns, which is pretty good. Uh, and I do think he takes a slight step forward. And even if it's not huge, I think he has to improve a little bit. Um, but I do think that he does improve a little bit. I think that the gelling with the offense, like uh, Betts mentioned, will help. I think that Nagy is one of the best offensive minds right now in the NFL, potentially. Because his weaponry last year and the fact that he was working with a second-year QB and a bunch of new guys, they still put out very good production um, and were very effective as a team. So... I like Trubisky, certainly for his draft price, which is right now I'm looking at ADP QB 21. I have him well above that. Uh, he's a guy that I'd be happy to take uh, as if I'm waiting on quarterback or certainly if I want to like grab a couple guys late and sort of switch in between them like, a, I don't know, a Trubisky and a Josh Allen or a Trubisky and a Ben Roethlisberger is going pretty late and I think he's going to be better than that too. So... I, I'm in enough on Trubisky that I'd be willing to draft him where he's where he's going. Yeah, and so something to mention about his rushing and that he doesn't even really need to take a step forward. You might remember from se- uh, and excuse me, not season from weeks one to ten last year, he was rushing quite a bit. He was actually on pace for just under 600 rushing yards and probably about five rushing touchdowns. He had three in that span. Um, and then he had that bruised shoulder that knocked him out for two games. And I think Nagy kind of reeled him back a little bit on the rushing attempts and the scrambling and wanted him to kind of stay in the pocket a little bit more. So if he's fully healthy and, uh, looking to get back to that, that form, he could easily be a 600 yard rusher, uh, if he does take a step forward and that, that puts him, you know, up with guys like, you know, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, you're talking about those type of numbers that's similar to those guys. So, um, I'm excited about that. I think he's in a good offense for passing as well. So I think his value makes him a great buy right now. And 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 if you're looking to wait on QB, he's a he's a great target for that. Word. Um in the running back situation for the Bears, we have a newcomer. Actually, we have a couple of newcomers, right? Because they signed Mike Davis in the offseason. And everyone was all up in arms uh, about Mike Davis being their new one and Tariq Cohen would you know, just keep doing what he was doing. And then and then they drafted David Montgomery, who I know he has quite a bit of fans, but he's a little bit of a divisive prospect. So who do you think well let's put it this way, who do you think's the leading scorer for this backfield? David Montgomery or Tariq Cohen? I have David Montgomery scoring more points than Tariq Cohen um on the season, but I like Tariq Cohen's draft price relative to where David Montgomery is going. Interesting. Uh, I have Montgomery pretty well above Tariq Cohen uh, in fantasy points, and I actually don't like Tariq Cohen's draft price. I just was checking. Yeah, I was just checking in on it uh, right before we started this pod. I have him ranked as the running back 29, and he is going, as I click around very rapidly, as the RB 27. So a little bit ahead of where I have him ranked. And I think that there's a chance... Uh, I kind of have, I think I've given him a um, a generous, I guess will be my word, projection in the sense that I have him clearly leading the backfield for, in a, from a receiving standpoint because that's what he's been doing. But I think that there is a chance, and this is what 
kind of bakes that draft price a little bit uglier for me, a little more burnt, if you will. Uh, <laughs> nice. I think there's a chance, <laughs> thank you, that Montgomery, who is a adequate, not above adequate, a solid pass catcher, I think that he could take a lot more of Tariq Cohen's passing work than we are expecting because we're so used to seeing Tariq Cohen working with Jordan Howard. Um, Montgomery is at least twice as good of a pass catcher as Jordan Howard was, which isn't saying that much, but it's Wait, enough yeah, to what, make me concerned about what, Tariq Cohen. What What's two times zero? Isn't that just zero? <laughs> That's a fair point. That's I'm a just very kidding. fair point. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I'm willing to draft Montgomery where he is. I'm uh, Kareem Cohen is fine, and he's a little better in PPR. We do everything we do in half PPR, so I'm a little more interested in PPR. But uh, yeah, I, primarily I'm going to go for Montgomery and neither of the other two guys here. I just have a problem committing to uh, what is, you got a, like a, a late third probably by the time drafts roll around here on David Montgomery, a rookie uh, with an established pass catching running back next to him. Uh, with a quarterback who has question marks of his own, I you know I don't know. Do, am I willing to dish up a third round pick for that when I could get guys like Marlon Mack or or um, Aaron Jones in that range instead? A little bit more established guys. Uh, I feel like I probably would never do that. Yeah, I I mean he'd have to climb a little bit to get to that range that you're talking about, and it's possible he does. Right now he's going early fourth between Ingram and Lindsay, and that's more where I'm interested. So I guess we will have to see where he goes from an ADP standpoint. The one thing I will say really quick before we move on, from a rookie standpoint, I think that because of the way that tight ends work and especially the way, well, both them and wide receivers in recent years as rookies where we know in fantasy not to trust them, I think that that bleeds over onto the running backs a little bit, and I think that that is a false narrative that should be completely ignored I think rookie running backs are almost as trustable as any veteran running back is. They come in and they produce right away. We have seen in this past few years incredible production from rookie running backs. Um, and it for a lot of it comes from the fact that you don't have to learn that much. You get handed the ball and you follow your blockers. You don't have to really you know get chemistry with a quarterback, run route trees, and all that stuff. Um, or know the playbook as well as a rookie quarterback, which is why rookie quarterbacks aren't quite as good. For running backs, for me, I'm 100% willing to buy into rookies. And I do not believe that Montgomery is the most talented of this class. But I do think that he has... I'm not... I'm going to say tied. I'm not going to commit. Tied with Josh Jacobs for the best opportunity. And you know, you should you should know, Okada, that I, I believe that running backs are replaceable. I... I know that uh, rookie running back doesn't really matter. It was just there was a bunch of red flags there that kind of popped up in a row, and that's the only reason I was talking about. So go ahead, Betts. Well, I was just going to say, you know, Jordan Howard was sneakily decent for fantasy last year. So <laughs> true, <laughs> like not in a very exciting way because he didn't have weeks where it was very consistent. But at the end of the year, I think it was what did he finish like RB twenty four on the season. Um, so I think David Montgomery is going to get some volume. I think he's going to be an RB two. But like you said, Kent, his hype is getting out of control to the point where I'm not willing to invest because he's I can like literally count it every single day. He goes up two draft spots when a new video gets posted on twitter from practice so by draft season in three weeks i honestly would not be shocked if he's at like the beginning of the third round 
And there's like ooh, Ken said, it's just so. What's that? I said ooh wee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's I, out of control. I agree. Um, so I prefer Cohen. He's just too good of a player for Matt Nagy not to use him and not to use him in a variety of ways. And as you said, Okada, we play in half PPR, but if you're playing in a full PPR league, um, Tariq Cohen last year was an RB1. Like, let's not forget that. So he's an RB2 floor in PPR formats, and I think he's a value this season. Uh, we should probably move on, but I will say that having this discussion with you two is making me more confident in David Montgomery, and I think I'm going to move him up my ranks. <laughs> because the more you guys talk, the more I sit here thinking about how Matt Nagy comes out of the Andy Reid tree, and they drafted him and got rid of Jordan Howard because they wanted to have a versatile back. They could do everything at once. And uh, I don't know, man. I, don't, I think I'm going to be okay with that third-round draft price, even if it gets there, and I might have to move him up a little bit. It's a good call. Let's... um. Uh, let's move over to the wide receivers now. Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, and uh, a, a rare sighting from Cordero Patterson uh, now mm. on the Bears roster. So which of these guys are you the most interested in this year? I, I assume you're only going to try and target one of them. There's not really enough room in terms of targets for two or more to be super valuable. So who's the one you want right now? It's Anthony Miller for me, and it's not close. Uh, right now, Alan Robertson's going... Robertson? Alan Robertson! Robertson. Uh, he's going in the sixth round, and Anthony Miller is going in the 11th round. And I have Anthony Miller projected for more fantasy points. Yup. So, yeah. Yep, no go. thank you, Alan Robertson. Yes, please, Anthony Miller. He was really good when he got opportunity last year with, as we mentioned on a previous pod, a well, a what shoulder? Non-existent shoulder bets? Uh, pretty it? much. It was dislocated, I think, three times over the course of the season. So he was playing in a sling that literally was preventing him from being able to reach above shoulder height. So he was playing with one and a half arms last year. Word. So, yeah, I'm 100% bought in. I think he has a huge wide receiver, uh, second-year receiver breakout and not only skips over Robinson, but leads this entire team from a receptions, yards, and receiving touchdown standpoint. I have him number one in all those categories. So I'm 100% willing to buy him at his draft price and a little bit above it. My name is Kent Wyrock, and I endorse that message. <laughs> Let's go! Yes! Yeah, Kent, you, Anthony Miller is the you asked here. what yeah. receiver we want. Uh, to be honest with you, like I don't really want any of these guys. I projected <laughs> Allen Robinson to be the team's wide receiver one. And actually, I just made it myself a note. I need to adjust that. My projection of him is, is too high. Um, yeah. But last year, I mean, we saw it. one week it was Robinson, then it was Miller, then it was Taylor Gabriel, for gosh sake. <laughs> then it was Trey Burton, and then it was back to Tariq Cohen, and then it was Allen Robinson. So like, you just... They just distribute the ball too much for there to be consistency to trust in your lineup. Um, if I'm having to pick one up on my roster, I agree with you. It's Anthony Miller based off value alone. Uh, but at the end of the year, I do think Allen Robinson leads the team in receiving. Yeah, and to Betts' point and to not lead listeners astray, I still have Allen Robinson right behind Anthony Miller in almost all of those categories, which for me lowers the upside of both of them. So while I really like Miller at his draft price because I think there's almost no way he doesn't outproduce it, I don't really expect him to be like a high-end wide receiver two or even probably a wide receiver two at all. I think he's just going to be a very viable wide receiver three or flex guy, which is a great value where he's being drafted. Yeah. Let's um, let's talk about the tight ends. 
because Trey oh. Burton. Trey Burton hasn't been playing. Mm. And guess who's waiting? Guess who's waiting oh, in the wings? I know what's coming. Adam, Adam Shaheen. Hey. Um, no, it's probably for the a listeners, pipe dream. Uh, for the listeners who have dream. no idea what we're getting so excited about, <laughs> Kent was an Adam Shaheen truther last year for some unknown reason. None of us uh, understood great why, reason. but he loved Adam Shaheen. He's a good player. He still has an opportunity. I, I am not giving up on the Adam Shaheen, the Shaheen <laughs> dream. The, had, the Adam should dream. Love there it. We go. Love it. And oh uh, no, I, okay, first of all, Trey Burton is not that special. He's not a special tight end. He's okay. Gosh. He's probably pretty good even. Um, and I don't think that Adam Shaheen's probably elite or special either, but he was injured last year, and so he didn't get to play that much. Trey Burton was on the field most of the time. And that was up and downs and all over the place. He has not been practicing. Adam Shaheen's been good in camp so far from what I've heard. Um, maybe we'll see a couple flash plays in the preseason, and maybe they're going to decide that he's the better player, and maybe they're going to just agree with me, and they'll hire me to be their analytics director and you know it's all just a pipe dream so let's just go for it no i'm just kidding um i think trey burton's the the lead tight end here but did, are you guys interested in drafting him nope nope yeah this is like i said last it's time right. it's it's a recurring theme he's a back-end tight end one that is i'm okay with him on my roster but at that point i'm honestly just going to stream week to week yeah he's right now going as a tight end uh 11 Ahead of Delaney Walker, Austin Hooper, uh, Mark Andrews, Jordan Reed, I'd rather have all those guys ahead of him. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty gross, and so all the passing work is going to be through the running backs and then through the wide receivers split up, and the tight ends will kind of get scraps here and there. I mean, God, looking at last year's game logs for Trey Burton's truly depressing. He had three games over forty yards, and then what is this? Uh, did he play sixteen? Yeah, so that makes. Uh, 13 games below 40 yards, and that is not Ouch. what you want to have for a tight end. Yuck. Yeah, it's pretty gross. So that's going to wrap it up, I think. So let's go ahead and put a bow on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Divisional Series. We talked about the NFC North. Up next, what's – wait, we're going alphabetical. So what's going to be next? Is that – South. Uh, that South is next. The okay, South so we'll have the a- 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 AFC South will be the next show. Uh, make sure you're listening to that. Subscribe to the show on uh, iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify. We're all over the place. Just wherever you find Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts, we're there. So go ahead and subscribe and uh, download the show. Okada, you got some? Yeah, I have a question for you guys because I feel like it had to be said at some point in this podcast. Who do you believe will be the kings of the North? Ooh. Ken, I have no idea who will pick. Ooh. <laughs> well... I I actually think I have to give it to the Bears again. Their defense oh, is, Bears. is is really, really good, and Khalil Mack is scary, and their offense is good enough to to supplement that. So I think they're the better overall team right now. Even though I want it to be the Vikings, I think the Bears are pretty good. Kent, I commend you for being honest, because I, if I were you, I probably would have said the Vikings. But I agree with you. The big scary bears are gonna win the North again this season, and they Ooh, are gonna make a field so goal scary. and move on to the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> ouch, ouch! Yeah, I, uh, I hear they're having failed kicker tryouts right now, so that's interesting. Not surprising. You yeah. are. Uh, I do commend you, Kent, but you're both wrong. Uh, I think that one of the Bears or the Vikings will make the playoffs as a wild card, but the Packers will win the division handily. 
and make the Super Bowl. No. Browza. Nope. Can't yep. agree. Yep. I'm out. I'm out. No. But, I mean, that goes uh, goes to show you that the NFC North is truly the Thunderdome, um, mm. one of the most competitive divisions in football right now. Even the Lions, uh, they're, they're, they're no uh, spring chicken, so to speak. So um, it's a tough, tough division. So that's it for the NFC North show. You can find us on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. I am at Kent Wyrock. Matt Okada is at Matt Okada, and Matthew Betts is at the Fantasy PT. Thank you for listening, and until next time, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod, and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.